I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hello. Thank you so much for being here and hanging out with me today. This is Once Upon a Gene, and I'm your host, Effie Parks. There is a virtual symposium that starts tomorrow, April 8th and 9th, 2022, hosted by Boston Children's Hospital. This virtual conference focuses on the mental and emotional well-being across the lifespan for caregivers who are raising kids with medical complexities. I'm leaving a link to register and a code to uh, get free registration in the show notes. You don't want to miss it. And make sure you register because you can also just watch the recording later when, when you have some time. Today's guest, oh my gosh, have you ever met someone who sparkles? And, and not like those vampires, but an even more beautiful mythical creature. Well, there is one on the show today, and I guarantee you will see her sparkle through her voice. She's a treasure, and she's a one-of-a-kind. She's a patient with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and her list of advocacy <laughs> accolades and groups that she's a part of are extensive. There is much to know about her, and I hope I've convinced her to start a podcast so we can all keep up with her and the work that she's doing. Today, we're talking about her slogan, practice self-care for your health care, and she's got it right. That's exactly what it is and what it's for. And I forgot to tell you, she's also Miss Wheelchair Washington, and there are links in the show notes for that, once again, to support her in her endeavors and vote for Sarah. Please enjoy my conversation with the beauty inside and out, Sarah Tompkins. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Effie. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a dream come true to be on your Once Upon a Gene podcast, truly. Oh my gosh, Sarah. I'm so happy to have you here. You make the world a better place and we have two really important things in common, which I think are up front. One, our love of pink, and two, our love of self-care. Yes. So I'm excited to dig in with you today. The, the bestest of things. I'm so excited to talk these about these things with you. Maybe self-care should be pink. Hey, I love that proposal. <laughs> I think we should write legislation around it, if must be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, you're uh, you're an insane advocate and you're a patient. So give us a little bit of background about your about your journey with EDS and your 
all the stuff you have going on. Yes, thank you so much. So as you mentioned, I uh, am an Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and rare diseases patient and advocate, um, but I also am a chronic pain patient and disability rights and disability, invisible disabilities advocate. And so I have many different advocacy hats, but I have been so fortunate to be able to advocate uh, legislatively through the Rare Disease Legislative Advocates and their Rare Disease Week and Rare Across America programs and really grow my patient advocacy and really also gaining confidence and self-esteem and validation in hearing others' experiences and stories and struggles that was so healing and helpful for me that it really showed me that being a patient advocate is part of my self-care because yes, I'm advocating for others, but I'm advocating for myself too. And that's very important. It's important for us to share our stories, to feel heard and get the validation, especially when like, as I've experienced having an invisible illness with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, it's very difficult to get that validation and understanding in my, from my medical care without knowledgeable doctors involved. And so it's uh, been an honor and a privilege to be able to be a patient advocate because I know I represent so many different communities. And uh, I just hope to encourage as many people as possible to be their own best advocate and advocate in whatever way is meaningful to them. It doesn't have to be legislative advocacy. It doesn't have to be a pageant competition, but everyone can find their own passion and utilize that as a way of spreading advocacy. Maybe it's sharing your story through art. Maybe it's using your other hobbies to share your story or experiences or sharing your medical journey and experiences or writing op-eds and getting engaged in a civic level, both state and federally with rare disease legislation. And there's just, there's no wrong way to advocate. And, I, and I'm so uh, grateful that I've learned of the diversity of advocacy and really been able to parlay that into my Miss Wheelchair USA pageant competition, where it's really taught me to be adaptable, which living as a person with invisible disabilities, being adaptable is the name of the game. <laughs> for so many things with all of us, for sure. Exactly. I couldn't agree more with you on what advocacy looks like for you. If you have the bandwidth and the ability and the want or need to do some sort of advocacy to just know how important your advocacy is and that it doesn't have to look like anyone else's. Exactly. I love that because we and we all have such different experiences and stories, but it doesn't there's no measurement of importance. It's truly that all of our individual experiences are, are important because they paint a picture of what our community is really facing and those spectrums of diversity of our experiences are important to get across in our advocacy and awareness because I think many people might look at their community and see those with different symptoms or more severe symptoms or issues and not feel like they belong in the community because they don't have the same symptoms. But that's what we're really trying to delve more into is that so many of these uh, chronic conditions and rare diseases can be spectrum disorders. And one person's diagnosis of it might be more disabling than another person's diagnosis of the same disease. And so it's really important that we include and really um, also 
create awareness for this huge spectrum of diversity, of disability and health. Was there a time that you felt like you didn't have the confidence and you didn't have the wherewithal to advocate for yourself? Was there something that kind of compelled you or made you really self-aware that either something had to change or you were inspired to become an advocate? Thank you, because this is such a great question. There was one uh, event that really propelled my patient advocacy, and that began uh, I just a few days after my own genetic diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome by my geneticist at University of Washington. I went to a support group that met at the UW cafeteria, and I met my soon-to-be best friend, Kelly Seltzer-Doyle, and she taught me how to be my own best patient advocate to be the squeaky wheel, to not accept when a doctor didn't believe you or belittled you or belittled your symptoms or pain. And that that if you had to see a different doctor because you can't feel like you're being listened to, that's okay. And that you need to take the best care of yourself regardless of other uh, medical professionals saying, be careful how many doctors you see or be wary of what care you seek. It, it really is up to you to be your own best team manager in that care, I think. And she really taught me that and really lit the torch in me for patient advocacy. Unfortunately, in 2014, on her way to an NIH, a study. She was in Kansas visiting family and became ill. And it was in large part due to the lack of awareness and advocacy for EDS that caused the decline in her care and led to her passing unexpectedly. And when we lost Kelly and I saw that the NIH clinical study had to shut down because they no longer had her and her family to study, it really lit the fire in me to continue this passionate advocacy that Kelly had really passed down to me in whatever way I could. And then the second part of what really inspired all of this was I had seen a rheumatologist who had referred me to my geneticist and actually got my EDS diagnosis and really had been a great care provider. We had huge misunderstandings where I would come into the office and if I was wearing makeup or dressed up, even though I was explaining it's a special occasion, it's my husband's birthday, we're going out to dinner, I had help getting my hair together, uh, he still said, you can't possibly be in the pain or have the symptoms you do if you come in looking like this. And I, I thought, gee, you just don't understand women that well, first of all, because I think, if anything, putting on makeup and making myself feel better has been a way to distract from pain. And it's been a way to get me through pain. It's been co a coping mechanism and mask for my own strength that I put on to feel better about myself and give myself confidence, especially knowing that I might get extra looks being in my wheelchair or using the different braces I do or getting IVs as I do and not looking necessarily sick that I might get attention. So being able to look my best really does help my health and mental health and thought process in those times to embrace those moments as, hey, I want to advocate more about this. If you, I have this condition, EDS, if you want to learn more, here's my contact info or 
Um, really just using those opportunities where someone doesn't understand what's going on with me, but might be interested as opportunities to advocate and really share a little bit of my diagnosis and story so that maybe the next time they see someone who, uh, quote unquote, doesn't look sick, they might not uh, immediately presume that appearance is related to health. Sarah, I'm so sorry you lost your amazing friend, Kelly. She sounds like she was Thank a badass. She was the most badass. Just incredible in her, the most fun time I've ever, I've, even though we would be crying in pain, we would call each other at 3 a.m. and then laugh because of the ridiculousness of our symptoms and just having that kind of connection and sisterhood is so rare. And that's why it's been such a special uh, turn of events, finding that same sisterhood and community in the Miss Wheelchair USA pageant family and competing in this. Yes, that's so cool. Yes, I'm glad Kelly lit that torch for you because it is bright. And I'm sorry about that moment that you experienced with the doctor completely diminishing everything that you're going through. I can understand it from a situation in my own life for sure. It's too often, especially as women, we are gaslit in that way or perceived by completely our appearance and not listened to our testimonial of symptoms and what we're experiencing. Yeah. And looking at it as a way of a self-care practice, a coping mechanism uh, when you're a caregiver for someone else and for yourself. Right. Exactly. There's a lot more that goes into it. So F that guy. Tell me more about the Miss Wheelchair stuff. Yes. Well, it's so full circle because it was actually Rare Disease Week 2020 that other EDS and other rare disease advocates told me about Miss Wheelchair USA and the pageant and how I needed to compete. And I really, I never saw myself competing in pageants, although I should have given my love for everything pink, glittery, bright colored, beauty related and fashion related. But it has just been such an incredible and honestly a gift through these past couple years of having just a different kind of life with pandemic life and being able to have this positive outlet of this organization and the Miss Wheelchair USA organization is so unique because they promote glamour, uh, self-confidence and community services, celebrating the accomplishments of women with disabilities. And it's been the perfect fit for being able to be my pink sparkly self, but also still the same uh, just as credible and authoritative in my own stories and experience advocate that I am. And then as well as build on my advocacy, um, share about the Dane Foundation, which has, which is the organizer of the Miss Wheelchair USA pageant. And the mission of the Dane Foundation is to provide for the unique needs of individuals with physical and developmental disabilities. They have a special mandate to provide events and programs that foster awareness, understanding, and acceptance of individuals with disabilities, their families, and caregivers. And so it's been such an incredibly perfect fit for being able to really combine, like I said, that patient advocacy hat with 
the important topics of disability advocacy that I'm so passionate about, like accessibility, inclusivity, and universal design, especially through uh, the tenants of Miss Wheelchair, which are accessible and safe airline and transportation travel, accessible and inclusive parks. You know all uh, about that one. Exactly. <laughs> we we need more accessible and inclusive parks. And it's such an easy fix because when I visited an, a, an inclusive park soar in Ohio last year, uh, seeing how easily the design difference included everyone to be able to play and engage in being in that park with others really just was a whole new experience of visiting a park for me. Um, I had children run up to me in my wheelchair and ask, cool glasses, what are you doing here? What's your crown for? And it it just it allowed me to engage in that community and feel a part of it in a way that I couldn't have imagined. And to think that it's it's taken so much awareness and advocacy and work on behalf of us, um, inclusivity and accessibility advocates to make these parks happen, just is a shame. And especially because I think that once everyone's able to experience these places, they'll realize how incredibly invaluable they are for building the communities that we need. Mm. Amen. Everybody knows how I feel about that. Yes. <laughs> oh, pardon. And then the last two tenants I needed to mention were also disability representation in media and the concept of beauty, which really speaks to my heart because uh, last year I competed in Miss Wheelchair USA and my platform was all abilities are beautiful, in large part because of that judgment that I had from that doctor for wearing makeup and then seeing myself really self-edit and wear pajamas and not be myself because I was worried I wouldn't be taken seriously or believed or receive the valid medical care I needed. And now that I have knowledgeable doctors who understand my condition and my needs and listen to me and my symptoms and experiences as I share them, rather than using my appearance to judge how they should treat me has been life-changing. And it's finding that knowledgeable care that is so important and really also a part of our self-care because we are the ones that have to find the people who help us the best and only we can know who those people are. You know, I I don't have the perspective of a patient, only a caregiver, but I, I listen as closely as I can to my friends like you and Marnie and Adam and Jason and Whitney and Deborah and you know I I try to understand what it's like to live both of those worlds you know I was telling Adam I was sick and my kids were sick the other day and like I thought about him and I was like how does he do this and I wonder with all that you're going through with your own with your own medical care, Sarah, how do you do all of that? And what does that mean that it's brought you to this beautiful statement of self-care for your health care? Thank you for asking this question. It's perfect because it really self-care was is such a perfect way of bringing together all of these different patient advocacy and advocacy hats under one crown 
But where I'm able to also just in these past couple of months, uh, I had a reconstructive hip capsule and hip labrum surgery, both done at once. And the recovery from that surgery was way more difficult than I expected because I was told it would only initially be the labrum, not also the capsule. And so having both done, I woke up to a much longer recovery and more intense recovery than I'd expected. And in that mode of needing so much more caregiving and help and being feeling so out of control in my own health in that time, I really realized how what a toll that took on my mental health and my thought process and just feeling depressed that I was needing so much more or having that change so fast and being able to really rely on self-care and say, okay, what can I do to get through this? What will be a temporary time? Remind myself it's temporary because it is. It, it, this is the worst part of it needing as much that I will feel better and do better in the long run with PT and that I'm close. I'm working on that. I'm doing all the right things. It's just about giving myself patience as a patient is really difficult. And I've been very blessed because my mom, dad, siblings, and my husband, Troy, and his family have all been such incredible help and support. I don't want to say substitute caregivers, but caregivers on the fly who come in when I, when we need them. And that has been such a privilege to be able to have that because I know not every patient or family is able to be all in the same city or provide that extra support and help. And uh, it's what's really brought me to be so passionate about engaging with my patient and advocacy communities because it's those communities that really provide that for on a very general broad level for everyone, but also then we're able to provide the community that can step in and help take care of each other in a way that we understand how to care for each other and will always understand what the other is going through is so invaluable. And so sort of as you said, you've learned so much speaking from from us patients about our advocacy experiences i've also learned so much hearing from parent advocates like you and hearing how you i should say uh how you juggle being a caregiver and advocate when being a caregiver is such a 24 7 job just as being a patient is and i think you know in my miss wheelchair washington usa platform practice self-care for your health care I really meant that to be open because I think as patients, we don't realize that we can be our own best caregivers as well as advocates. And same for caregivers, because you give so much of yourselves to helping others, it's immensely hard to put yourselves first when the needs of others are always on the list. And it really does show that self-care is such an important theme for everyone, regardless of our health, regardless of our abilities, and regardless of our diagnoses, that we all have a role to play in having our own best self-care. And that maybe that's being a patient advocate, and maybe it's legislatively, or maybe it's doing art, and maybe it's doing videos of of whatever hobby you love or sharing your hobbies and passions through other things, 
but also advocating through that and that there's really no wrong way to advocate, I think is a lesson I really want to impart on everyone because I didn't think that a pageant competition as Miss Wheelchair USA would be my proudest moment of advocacy, but it has. It really has been so just thrilling and such a privilege to not only share my platform for passionately advocating for self-care and being your own best advocate and caregiver, but hopefully representing others with chronic illness and invisible illnesses and invisible disabilities and people who are full-time patients who hopefully will see a little bit of their experience in me and know that they can also have the power and everyone has the power to improve their self-care by being their own best caregivers, advocates, and themselves by really practicing that kindness, forgiveness, understanding, and compassion that we would offer others in our position, but sometimes struggle to give ourselves. I love everything that you said. And there's there's so many nuggets in there to pick out. First, I'm so glad that the wheelchair USA thing has turned into such a such an important piece for you and comes around full circle in so many special ways. But I loved what you said, too, about the awareness that you had, especially when you were recovering and you were depressed and you were kind of back at square one and you asked yourself questions and you told yourself the facts and you were compassionate. That is not easy especially if your health is compromised and you're relying on everyone for everything. That's amazing. And I also think it's really fascinating to use the lens of self-care as we're our own caregivers. I think adding more language to that is is so important because self-care is almost impossible for most people I know in this world. Exactly. Exactly. It's And it's practice is the best word because I think that we all have individual and unique self-care, what will work and what won't work. And it it can be so hard when you don't have time to practice self-care as it is to go find what does work for you <laughs> and then go on that journey of figuring out what kind of self-care you really need. But a great way to start is in being a volunteer and advocating. Maybe it's just sharing with nurses that you come into contact to uh, contact with a little bit about your diagnosis and story and experience as a patient. And that is also just as invaluable of advocacy as going to a capital for legislative advocacy. What are a couple of your practical habits of self-care that you've put in place that are like your non-negotiables? So certainly taking a break and unplugging from technology and social media in general. I like to have a busy schedule and be so involved, but with how much my body is impacted by stress because of my Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and other diseases that really are affect dysfunction of my nervous system, um, making it so that anxiety is a really difficult issue for me. And so being able to just have this self-care in place so that I'm able to calm myself through positive thinking and 
as you sort of had mentioned, just going back and saying the things that I needed to hear that I would say to somebody, to a best friend in this position with these symptoms and practicing that same kindness that we all need to practice, especially for ourselves. Amen. I mean, it's that time where you're like, okay, hold on, I gotta go get my toolbox. And you open it and there's actually stuff in there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, you know, I, I think it's important to unplug and read and being an advocate and in different ways. Maybe it's being involved in my pain patient community and seeing kind of if I can share good resources of good doctors that I know for people that need them. Or maybe it's being on my, uh, the Overlake School Alumni Board and going to events at the school and really seeing how I can represent an alumni who's disabled and really wanting to make the school the most accessible and inclusive it can be in the future. And it's we all have such incredible power in sharing our stories and there's no limit to how you can really advocate and use your experiences and story to not only better your own advocacy, but your advocacy for others and also your self-care and health care, because both of those benefit. What about for those patients listening, speaking of doctors, what advice do you have for the individuals who still feel gaslighted by their medical professionals or their symptoms are being diminished or ignored? or nobody's helping them find answers, what would you tell them of ways or tips to figure out what the right care team is for them and how to go about seeking out those professionals and advocating for themselves in those in those situations? I wish I could just list off all of my favorite knowledgeable doctors in different regions, but knowing that insurance plays such a huge role in your access I, the One of the best places, I think, to start is sort of looking at who's on your insurance coverage against lists, other lists of knowledgeable doctors and seeing, oh, do I have a knowledgeable doctor on my insurance I can see that somebody else recommends in a support group or in the EDS society or in different Instagram posts and just really seeing who is in your coverage of care. But then also knowing that if you are feeling like you aren't being heard, your experience, your symptoms, your pain, whatever you're going through isn't being heard, validated, or listened to in the way that you need, that that's not fair and that's not, you don't deserve that. That's not what you deserve. You deserve to be listened to and taken seriously. And that that's, it's not the end. And we can always find another doctor to see and try. And I know that there's such an emphasis on not being a patient that doctor shops and sees too many doctors. But as my late friend Kelly would say, who cares? If you have to see a doctor that doesn't make you cry, then call call who you have to leave a complaint with the Department of Health and say, this doctor made me cry in my appointment over this comment. And that's why I'm not going to see them again. And she just certainly she was much more connected with exactly who to go to and how to be her most powerful advocate uh, for herself and others than I've been. But that's inspired me to only be better and learn more and learn how I can be of impact because it's true. We you can always find a new doctor and new care and that you are the manager of your care team. 
really. You are the one that has to make sure that they're communicating between specialties and for surgeries and in different medical hospitals per se or under different medical groups. And that makes it a full-time job just coordinating that care sometimes, but that it is worth it because you are the best person to do it and you will do it the best for you. And that's why it's, even though it's such difficult work, it is essential to having your best healthcare and really self-care because by spending that time, you're validating that you deserve the best care because you do. You deserve to be validated, listened to, and then given the medical care and treatment that you need. I feel like we need some motivational music behind that last statement. <laughs> I do. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. The, that's such beautiful. Your words are so beautiful and they're, they seem simple, right? But it's not easy. And I know that a Thank lot you. of people need to hear that. And even if you inspire one person to make that complaint or fire that next doctor and to keep pushing, you've done your job today here. And you do so much. And I'm just so grateful that the world has you in it. And I'm so glad for Miss Wheelchair that it's given you another platform to just shine on and to help our communities be more accessible and inclusive and disability friendly in all of the ways. Yes. And I'm just yes. so happy you're on our team and you're my neighbor. So yes, exactly. Washingtonian, Seattleite, Bellevue area. It's, we love it. And I'm thank you so much, Effie. I am so grateful for your advocacy because your sharing of others' advocacy and their stories has, every time I hear someone else's story, I, I enrich my, I enrich and evolve my advocacy to be its best for others and myself, because I'm only able to be the best advocate when I know all of, I can hear as many stories as possible and experiences, because it's really just the more experiences and stories you hear, the more you realize that Everyone has such a different experience, but so many commonalities at the same time. And uh, it's finding those commonalities and differences that really is able to make you be the most effective advocate you can be. So you have been such an inspiration to me, and I admire you and your work so much. And I'm just so grateful to talk about my patient advocacy and Miss Wheelchair USA pageant for 2022 coming up in July. And I'm so excited for uh, others to hopefully follow my pageant journey. Um, and through my social media, you can see different posts about self-care, the Dane Foundation and the Miss Wheelchair USA pageant, as well as just about my life as an EDS patient and as someone who loves pink and glitter, just like Effie, the best kind of, the best kind of things. Yes. Thank you for saying all those nice things. It, everything, it just adds, adds so much richness. I totally agree. Tell everybody how they can follow you and keep in touch and ask questions and just genuinely admire your advocacy journey and Miss Wheelchair. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Uh, please follow me on social media. If you follow Miss Wheelchair USA, on Instagram and Facebook, uh, as well as on Facebook, you can follow Miss Wheelchair Washington USA and follow my social media posts there, as well as uh, please visit if you would like to learn more about sponsoring me or helping support my, the financial costs of the pageant, please visit the Dane Foundation's website and click under sponsor contestants where you can find my name directly above a PayPal link that would take you um, 
to the PayPal and how to donate to uh, fundraising for my pageant fee uh, costs for travel and hotel and table displays and things like that. But I so appreciate you just following every like, share and comment per means the most and really helps make the difference in my competition. So I so appreciate everyone following my social media. And if you would like more information about potentially sponsoring me or uh, financially donating, please also feel free to email me at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H dot Tompkins, T-O-M-P-K-I-N-S at E-D-S-N-W dot com. Awesome. And I'll collect all of that and put it in the show notes. So if you want to go follow Sarah and donate to her cause and just stay up to date on it, the links will be in the show notes there on your app or on the website. So check it out. Thank you, yes. Sarah. Thank you so much, Effie. This has just been a dream come true. And I have so much fun speaking with you always. Thank you so much. Always. I can't wait to hear your podcast coming up to be, yes, to be announced. Can. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you. 